0: This is Carrie Ghosh, I'm a reporter for Columbus Business First, and this is Crisis Management, a podcast about seeing your business through the coronavirus pandemic. Today's guest is Kenny McDonald, CEO of One Columbus, the economic development organization for 11 Central Ohio counties. The group was founded after the last recession as Columbus 2020, and met its 10-year goals for attracting business investment and jobs to the region. But as it assessed progress at the end of the decade, glaring inequities remained. As One Columbus, the group shifted its focus to shared prosperity. Then the global pandemic hit and exacerbated those inequities even further. Like other employers, One Columbus overnight had to move its staff home and figure out a new way to work at the same time that its work has never been more vital. So we talk about how the group adjusted and the way forward one note, our interview was recorded on May 27th, which was the day before Columbus and Central Ohio joined nationwide protests over racism. That's why you won't hear that specific topic come up. Thanks for listening. Welcome to uh, Business First. Thank you for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Good to see you, Carrie.
0: As you know, every June we do a special issue on economic development and economic development has a, a very different look these days. So, if you could just give a brief overview of how the mission changes when everything comes to a screeching halt and unemployment rockets up, do you just forge ahead with the same mission, or do you have to redirect priorities?
1: Well, let me first acknowledge just all of the you know the the pain and suffering of those that are losing their lives and their those that are hospitalized and going through this health crisis first and foremost is hitting all the communities. We represent 11 counties. There's impact in every one of them and all of the surrounding areas and across Ohio, across the country, around the world, even with our partners that we talk to clients and uh, vendors and people that we work with uh, around the globe, everybody's impacted. So we are a acknowledge that and we acknowledge that this is uh, uh, I hate the word now, but unprecedented it's, it's very true that, you know, kind of the, the global economy stopping on a dime is truly uh, something that development communities not live through. You know, you may have a sector at risk, you may have a, uh, a piece of the economy, but not ever really the whole thing. And just the basic necessities of moving around stuff that are limiting the free flow of money and capitalism around the globe. That's a unique challenge. That said, the mission doesn't change. Our mission and our belief is that the power of a full-time job is incredible and is life-changing for individuals, their families, and in fact, entire communities and regions of the country and around the world. We certainly believe that to be true here and see it working every day. We worked really hard at the end of the decade on what I would call a a number of principles. I mean, it's easy to call it a strategy, but if you really unpack it with about six principles that we laid out, that I'm more convicted by, I'm more dedicated to, our team is more committed to than ever before. And we're probably more than anything committed to the vision that we signed up for, which was becoming the most prosperous place in the country at some point in the future. And we believe to do that, you gotta grow. We all now know if we've forgotten the power of growth and a steady economy. And the reason we said we needed to close gaps was as we studied our region at the end of the decade, we saw uh, incredible gaps in job creation and wealth creation, in the ability to participate in the economy and our workforce um, because of the inequities. This crisis has put a magnifying glass on that for the entire world to see uh, that aren't looking at charts and don't need consultants to show it to them. We can see it every day as we drive through our communities, uh, and we're living through it. Everybody in this community is living through that at this point now and is well aware of how their neighbors are impacted.
0: Right. At the beginning of the year, the region as a whole shifted priority to prosperity for all and reducing inequity and if anything the pandemic has worsened those inequities for maybe what it's done to the hourly workforce what it's done to disproportionate impact on racial groups do you need to change strategy or shift resources to really continue with that part of the mission that's become more critical
1: well i don't think there's any question you need to change tactics you know I've- spent some time doing this is asking that very question, not just of myself, but of our board and our leadership, you know, is this some kind of a left turn or right turn? And do we need to scrap what we worked hard to kind of put in place and the framework we put in place. But as we read it, I think that we're actually, we just, we just have, it makes the work more important. Is it important? For example, first principle, our plan is helping our local businesses grow and become the most competitive in the world. That is incredibly important. We've reached out to hundreds and hundreds of companies across our region, and we may have even a better idea of how our, our region functions um, and, and how those companies are functioning now than we did before. And we were talking to many of them, right? But we, we, that in, the intensity of the situation, we have deep knowledge of some of these companies now, and them being really competitive will lead to a more resilient region. Right? It will meet, lead to more resilient supply chains so that in food and pharmaceuticals and our automotive supply chains, we're not quite as at risk. And I think if we look at that through a little different lens, the same principle holds true. The second principle is we're going to need to have new companies come to our region and employ people. And um, I think that's still going to be very true. In fact, it might be more true. Um, what we always looked at as a luxury to have new companies show up and employ people in our region is now an absolute necessity. The diversification you can't have, we have a great luxury of being diverse here economically and it's it is gonna afford Columbus a, a great opportunity to come back, maybe perhaps faster than some other places because we have some safe harbors, but I wish we were even more diverse. So having different employers in different industries and emerging markets and things like that is gonna have to be uh, a priority of ours. We don't even know how those people might be employed they might be work at home people but more of them in ohio for example and then finally we're going to need high growth companies we're going to need some green shoots we're going to need the ingenuity and creativity of the entrepreneur to lead us out of this more than ever so committing to our partners the institutions organizations partners capital providers that help our high growth companies come up with businesses that are going to employ thousands of people and perhaps save lives is going to be even more important for our region.
0: Obviously no one can travel right now. You can't take anyone on the tours you want to go, you want to normally conduct. You can't make a trade delegation trip to Japan and talk to a bunch of companies. Are there any deals that were in the works that, are scuttled now or were you able to move everything virtually and companies are still going through a site selection process in central ohio
1: very it's it's fascinating so if we had a hundred active projects going into this let's say that uh maybe 15 percent of them have officially said we're really putting the brakes on and so you know don't call us we'll call you when we're we've got our legs back under us but but only only about 15% another 15% have said no we're, we're we 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 still believe we have to do this project it's going to take a little longer we may not be able to fly in and do a physical site tour or look at that office space and in fact we've got to look at you know all of our calculations for how much space we will need You know, maybe we'll have a cadre of people working at home and we'll have, maybe we'll need the same space with just less people. And we're going to have to look at all that, but don't kill it because we think we're going to be back to you pretty quickly. And then we've, and then we've had a, a number of inquiries, people that are actively looking at doing projects and considering where they're going to put people and offices and manufacturing facilities. We've even had... Lots of calls with European manufacturers looking at coming to the U.S. and wanting to do the cost estimates and try to figure out how they're going to um, operate in the future. And we are figuring out how to do a virtual site visit pretty well. We've already had several of them. We can do a lot on this. We can do a lot by them talking to employers. We can even do office and to some degree site visits with drones and things like that.
0: So there's a lot to unpack there. Did you already have some virtual tools, you know, uh, drone flyover video? Or did you have to newly produce things like that? H- how yes. much new strategy did you have to employ?
1: We're, we're like every other organization. You know, we, um, our world became flipped upside down in mid-March. Things that we implemented in a week that would have probably taken us six months to do had we been forced into it. <laughs> We've reacted really well. We've had to learn a million things. We're really fortunate to have a network of national and international partners and economic development organizations across Ohio that are learning together. So, you know, I'm the, I have the good fortune of being the chair of the International Economic Development Council this year. Uh, I'm on calls all the time with a bunch of folks that have a very similar job in their community, across, at least across North America. And I'm reaching out to them and learning and what are they doing with their teams and how are they conducting this? We're stealing from each other liberally uh, to make sure that we, you know, understand how to do our jobs now and get through this. And I think we've gotten through the, we've gotten through the very difficult part of absolutely not knowing what is going to come the next day or week to wrapping our minds around both the good and the bad of, uh, how
0: we're going to have to proceed. We heard all the calls for more onshoring, um, both from you know the PBE that was made in Italy to parts that were made in China. How much is that going to play a factor in what this you know what does this region have to offer as strengths when those companies are looking for?
1: Well, so we'll take, we'll take a really broad view of this because we're, uh, in fact, we have a call every week now. We have partners in Europe and Asia that we work with constantly to help us qualify companies and doing outreach all the time. We're talking to them for various reasons. We want to know what's going on in those countries too. And they're very good sources for what's happening. And there's a lot of, all parts of the world are thinking in generally the same way. Uh, we, need, we need resilient supply chains is not a uniquely American or North American thought. That they're, they're saying the same thing in Europe and they're saying the same thing in Asia. So that being the case, you'll see, I, I think reshoring is probably a little bit of a strong word. It's probably continued regionalization so that the supply chains are very resilient and a little stronger, shorter. If I'm looking at North America, I'm probably looking to the middle of America for where that resiliency, where I want to put my bet uh, for a number of reasons. Nearly every major supply chain in the world runs through uh, North America and through the middle of America anyway, and including through Ohio, and that means through central Ohio. So we're in a geographically proven place to put an investment and to deliver for the entire continent, not just for the eastern half of the U.S. or Um, the United States, but the entire continent. And this, I guess we used to call six months ago, the NAFTA region um, is going to be increasingly important. Our partners in Canada and Mexico, um, that is not just the automotive supply chain. I think we're going to have tremendous opportunities in Ohio.
0: How much, or have you heard from the prospects you're talking to? Have they ever mentioned, or how much attention has been gained by the governor's response to the situation, Mayor Ginther's response to this situation, or just how Central Ohio is pulled together as a region to respond to the pandemic?
1: I give uh, Governor DeWine, his administration, his, his team, the Jobs Ohio team, Mayor Ginther, and a lot of the leaders across Ohio, including the business community, for their response to the initial phase of this. I mentioned the business community, but it's very much noticed what Battelle did right? and, and some other Ohio companies that are making a significant contribution to solving problems and um, now more people in the world know that they come from Columbus, Ohio too. Uh, Is not only a point of pride, but it actually kind of shows the, the, the people that we have here, the kind of companies we have here as well. That said, the handling of this will, will have multiple phases. We're gonna have to continue to lead and do this balancing act between running a thriving economy or trying to and managing through a public health crisis. And they're in some ways opposing ideas uh, and they require opposing actions occasionally. That requires tremendous leadership, communication, transparency, all of which has been exhibited in spades so far by Ohio. It has been noticed by clients. That said, it's gonna come down to, you know, who's the most competitive and where should I put my at the end of the day when we uh, start moving forward. And we have to continue to earn our right to be at the business table constantly. And I will say that I think it's going to get more competitive globally uh, in the short term than it was even six months ago.
0: And it was incredibly competitive then. Does this region have the tools to, to bring to that fight?
1: We do. In fact, I, I, if I had to pick a place, you know, this would be a top place to to try to make this happen. When we say this happen, I mean two things. One is, I do feel like it is a race to get back to a low unemployment rate. If we're at four or five percent unemployment, so many things are better, right? The thing that probably isn't. Um, wasn't resolved when we were at that number before and won't be resolved unless we're really intentional about it is the the number of inequities that goes uh, as we proceeded doing business the last several decades. We're going to have to be more intentional as a region, as a state, even as a society to say, how can we grow? How can we lower that unemployment rate? How can we put people to work safely uh, and at a good wage? but also close these gaps and there's all there's numerous ways I think there's plenty of low-hanging fruit to do things to close the digital divide to close some of the transportation divide as we uh, perhaps have an opportunity to throw out the, the old playbook and expectations and attack things anew so that when I say come back I mean how do we get back to a good number and on unemployment and a thriving economy but maybe I'd say even
0: more that we're closing these gaps. Does that mean attracting different kinds of businesses or does it mean One Columbus Jobs Ohio puts more resources into skills development, digital you know, coding schools or different ways, certificate programs or ways to upscale more resources than you ever have before?
1: I think, I think the biggest arenas for closing the gaps are in, in infrastructure. And how do we move people around our regions so that they can get to not just a good job from where they live, but they're in a safe situation and the housing around them and the, and the broadband access and cost of that broadband is accessible for everywhere. That was, those are infrastructure issues. The second issue is skilling, reskilling, just because we have a higher unemployment rate doesn't mean that our, that the skills gap suddenly went away. We still have many of the same problems that we had in, in January with a rapidly changing economy. In fact, we, we may have accelerated that as well. So, changes that we had pre- predicted to happen over the next five to 10 years may have happened in 90 days. And the skills required, the digital skills in particular, to function in our economy and participate fully in, it, in the economy and have the opportunity to go to work and you know, receive benefits and everything. Um, the bar may even be higher now so the work's more important but it also showing us how we do it we've all learned a a new way to work uh, in in 90 days and I just believe so much in our workforce and our institutions our ability to do this I think we can actually close that gap
0: but whose job is it to close that gap is it one Columbus's job or do you kind of create the playbook and it's up to the city of Columbus to, or the, you know, metropolitan library system to put those training programs in place.
1: I think it's going to be a fascinating time. There's, there's not, a, there's not one thing that is going to make this happen. There's going to be 50 things or hundred things. And we're going to, if we close a number of small inequities intentionally and close those gaps one by one, and there'll be different responsibilities and accountabilities for lots of different organizations as we move through this. I think that's the pathway. Um, I see it every day. I'm a great, I mean, an enormous opportunity to sit on calls all, all day long with people who are working on just these problems. And that might be Pat Lazinski at the Columbus Public Library System or Doug Kreidler at the Columbus Foundation or um, Lisa Pat McDaniel at the Workforce Development Board. Doing just incredible work to, to do exactly what we're talking about one day at a time. We're going to have to raise awareness and keep the heat on the entire community to say this is this is now the ultimate priority. Our jobs is jobs, we need them. We have to have them, We have to have growth. There's so many other things we can do to make the product better.
0: So I've just started on the um, research for this project, but I've talked to a couple suburbs so far. And they both credit, so it was uh, New Albany and Dublin that I talked to. And they credited One Columbus for setting up these, I guess, uh, weekly uh, Zoom calls and, and uh, conference calls. They said it's brought the region even closer together, that they're sharing ideas. You know, one would come up with some innovation in how they are doing their permitting process, and before the call was over is getting an email from another economic development director. How'd you do that? How could we do that? What have you seen new relationships forging new innovations coming forth in the economic development field.
1: Well, it's interesting. I, and this isn't just me looking for the silver lining, but I think the technology we're using to whole host those meetings and stuff and the urgency of the situation, quite frankly, fostered a lot of that. So. You know, what used to be the mere act of convening, it became really important. Like, why do you get together with peers, you know? And the chat rooms on the sideline of a Zoom call or something um, become a pretty active place. And some magic stuff happens there where, you know, people are getting resources and that they can't get anywhere else. And they're getting them from people that they trust and they know because we put so much work and energy into this over a dozen years of this. If you didn't have a good culture, if you didn't have a good regional relationships going into this, um, you probably weren't going to have them automatically in 30 days. So I am very proud that our region committed and and worked together for so long leading up to this. It made all of that a lot easier. None of it's easy, but it it did make the collaboration a lot easier. And it's going to be required that we continue to double down on that. None of the problems we have are the fault of any of the jurisdictional cities or townships or counties, and the path out is together, not in competition with each other, more than ever.
0: What are the attributes, and that is one of them, that make any one region better able to pivot and adapt and emerge than another?
1: Well, leadership um, across the board. So we mentioned it earlier. It's incredibly important to have leaders at every level that are willing to listen but they're also willing to act uh, we have them so you know i'm, I'm proud to say that and i see that from our mayors and managers that we work with every day at a local level to people that work for them at a staff level we're solving problems every day with agency people um, at a state level trying to remove obstacles um, and things where people understand that job creation is such an Paramount activity now. We've gotten all kinds of calls with agencies and, and clients who we've worked through problems in an hour that might have taken us you know, two weeks to work or a month to work from you know in a normal circumstance. The second thing is you you do have to have a good product, you know. And that when I say product, you have to have a great physical product. Your place in the world matters. We have a good place in the world. Our geography is really strong. Our demographics are strong and getting stronger. I do think we're gonna to continue to aggregate people to central Ohio. We're gonna need them. We're gonna have great jobs and we're gonna to wanna to put those people to work and we need to we need to have them living here. That, that adds not just to our workforce, but our culture. And finally, we have the institutions and the businesses here um, that can innovate and kind of continually transform. I, I give just one example of that. There's been so much, change in the retail industry not just over the last 90 days but over the last year retail has changed dramatically and last 90 days it may have accelerated by you know dog years and i'm seeing great innovation and actually some really strong companies maybe emerging from this that are gonna make a move to e-commerce that's leadership at a business level that's on us at a in a public from a public standpoint to make sure that we're uh, delivering the infrastructure that allows them to conduct that business here but we have many of the attributes to be you know a major e-commerce center already and so this is this is going to position Columbus really well
0: what is, I, I've heard this a lot of you know we did X in this many days it would have taken this many months <laughs> why, why does it take a global disaster to, to get these things to happen <laughs>
1: Yes, I know. My staff has told me that many times. Um, The urgency of the situation underscored what we do every day. I just, this is where we started the conversation, but our team gets up every day knowing that if we can win and if we can move forward, we're going to create opportunity for somebody to get a job, have the opportunity for benefits. And for some people, that might just be a continuation of, you know, a good thing. In fact, that is the case for, for, for many or most people. For some, it's everything. It literally changes the dynamic of their entire family, perhaps even for generations to come. If they're able to get into a position, work through a good job into a great job, maybe even lead a company, you know, for some people who start on a shop floor and become a business owner and create wealth for their family it starts with a job. It, the urgency of, the, of this and the highlight of what you know 15% unemployment means to a community is just highlighted the the mission we have. Here. And we have a huge you have a huge task ahead of us. Uh, you know I, I I will say a cautionary I don't, I don't see uh, an immediate return to full employment. There, there's, there's too much damage at a small business level you know, that has employed so many you know, hundreds of thousands of people to, um, to just snap back. And consumer spending and confidence is not gonna be where it needs to be for us to have a thriving economy anytime overnight. And so how are we gonna do that In spite of that, right? How are we going to get to a better place? In spite of that, is going to be uh, a question we're asking ourselves every morning. And are we doing enough? Can we collaborate more? Can we look for more partners? Are we reaching out to, you know, the next growing company? Have we helped, you know, a local company get through this? That's what's on our mind and and in our. our team is one thing, and our but the army of investors and local economic development organization and allies we have in workforce and state government and local government stuff is, is going to be what makes the difference.
0: Does anyone know or do you have a projection of the, the shape of the curve of the comeback? You know, they talk about the V-shaped recovery, the W-shaped, uh, you know. Can you listen to anybody who says what, if they know what this will look like?
1: I'm, I'm very skeptical of those models and to some degree, you know, look, no one consumes more of them than me. Nobody's watching or reading more than, that, than, than, than I am on it, but that's not really our job. Our, our job is to try to, um, to move forward every single day, to move the region forward, to build confidence, and to generate opportunities so that we actually have the ability to grow the economy and serve people, put people to work. And we've done it for 25 years. I would say that what I know is you have to do that one project at a time, right? And um, if we do that, we're gonna be okay. And the curves will take care of themselves if, if we're working on the right
0: things. Are you hearing anything different from your clients about, you mentioned it just in passing, the uh, the future of the workspace. Uh, yeah. Either we need less square footage because we'll have a more distributed workforce, or we need more because the workforce we have needs to have walls between them or ten feet between their desks. Uh, does anyone know what the commercial real estate of tomorrow will will be?
1: I think views. Of, I think individual views are emerging and getting a little bit more solid but I don't think that there's a solid trend overall. So we're spending a lot of time talking to corporate real estate executives who are in charge of this from a corporate perspective. Um, and then, you know, great firms like GLL and TB and Cushman and Newmark who are, you know, putting out thought leadership and holding webinars and, you know, providing access to their resources, stuff around these subjects. It's a really important question because we have to, we always talked about developing product, you know, class A office space or industrial space of a certain size or ceiling height or whatever. We have to have the right product to win from a physical standpoint. What's the right product going to be, right? And my personal belief is that um, we're definitely going to have offices. They're gonna host, be host to a lot of people. They may be used differently and have different footprints and things like that. I think if you ask anybody who's managing people, they're gonna tell you that they, they, they like more than just two-dimensional two interaction over a screen. And to get, the, to get the full potential of our workforce, the creativity of it, requires human interaction. Quite frankly, that's why we love business, by the way. When we consider ourselves a business organization and we do this, we have a lot of fun doing what we're doing but our team is, I mean, they don't love each other and they want to be around each other and they want to have the creative juices of working together. And it's real hard to do with a small group of 18 people. Uh little teams of thousands.
0: Well, I mean, our, our internet connection in this conversation is one Exactly. <laughs> uh, so you had, had you already finished or moved into your renovated space at the Lazarus Building and then you had to leave it? Or was that done yet?
1: No, we were done. Yeah, we were in. We appreciate it even more now. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll begin to go back to the office more formally next week. Okay. And I think we'll be a lot of, like a lot of people, will be running a couple of different shifts of people. So the entire team will not be there together at any time for lots of reasons. And we'll probably all work from home on Fridays, you know, for the summer. But we'll say nothing's permanent. You know, so we're we're working through it. Um, I've learned so much about my team over the course of this, <laughs> and if we're a microcosm of the of the country, you know, we've got lots of things to work through: daycare issues and uh, back to school issues, and elderly parents and people taking care of them on our team, and um, high risk individuals. You know, we we have all of that in a in a small sampling of the population. So we're extremely sensitive to all the problems that our, our clients are going through.
0: How has your workday changed? Do you feel like you've never worked harder? Uh, there's more space in the day? How, what, what changed for you?
1: Well, it's wind and waves. I would say the unbelievable first 30 days of this, I'd say were a huge challenge just because you were busier than you've ever been, and while you'd like to lead, you have had almost all the tools of leadership taken away from you. You couldn't assemble people, necessarily, other than, you know, fumbling through this. We're getting better at it now, right? Uh, the first couple of days of this were kind of interesting, and just the unbelievable uncertainty of everything. Not knowing where to turn exactly. We've learned a lot through that process. We had a, we're a service organization. It's easy for us to work from anywhere. We traveled a lot. We worked virtually a lot anyway. Some of our challenges have actually been by staying home. I mean, I've never been home so much in my life, uh, in my working life. <laughs> um, never spent so much time with you know, my family. They're probably ready to boot me to the curb. A lot of it's the same. How do we give our team the tools to do what they need to do. How do we keep focused on our mission every day? How do we remove some of the obstacles and collaborate? And sometimes with people we've never met, so we're talking to clients about collaboration too. I'm unbelievably excited about getting to the other end of this for a whole host of reasons. One of which is, we're gonna be better. We're gonna be better, we're gonna be a better organization Meaning the people that have had to lead a team through this are going to be better leaders for a long long time it's going to have a great impact on organizations and stuff and uh, you know, if they if they weren't then they probably won't be leading those teams so I think I think it's going to unleash a lot of people oriented policies uh, a little bit more empathy for people that um, work on our teams something we've been preached at along you know forever but and you're living it out in a pretty different
0: Wait, wait. So I had asked your team for some statistics, uh, you know the things that you're watching, and that there's because you change your metrics this year, you don't have a good comparator to 2019 of what if I'm looking for an economic indicator that shows this impact, what should I be? You know, building permits, building starts, unemployment, obviously. You get our
1: opportunity insights deck, I think, don't you carry?
0: Probably. And some
1: of it's pretty macro data, but it's also, we've updated it every week. So we're monitoring unemployment, job claims, um, those that are, you know, where what are the companies that are the industries that are hiring right now? And it's changed week to week. Um, we've, we've started to monitor driving patterns. So we think we're back up to about 70% of um, where we were in January or whatever, right, in driving capacity. We tried to show not just that as a measure of activity, but actually it's a great monitor of, the, of, an, of a, how unequal this crisis has been. So those that, of the most modest means, kept driving the most. Those that had the most means probably didn't have to drive much, could get everything delivered, didn't have to go to their car very often. We've been monitoring that stuff very closely probably by mid next month we'll have a better handle on some of the um, job numbers and some of the outcomes that we're measuring that are pretty consistent right so measuring our capital investment for the year job you know job commitments for the year the payroll that 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 we think that's going to create in the future we're going to have all of that for some projects in fact we've had five or six projects that we think will announce you know, they're, they're moving forward in the coming weeks.
0: Really? Is that a same pace as usual or slower?
1: It's, it's, it's much slower. We were on pace to have a terrific first half of the year, which all got, you know, put on hold. Now that said, we still have a few things that are going to, you know, go through the process. And I think it would be a signal that people are moving forward and we just have to finalize a few things on those. I think that's going to be critical. Let's, It's not just good for us that something good is happening, but it signals to the workforce that, you know, companies are moving forward, and there's going to be jobs in this community, new jobs in the community.
0: What scares you the most that would be an obstacle to Central Ohio recovering, and how do we prevent whatever that fear is from being realized?
1: We have to keep our ambitions really high. So, you know, I know we're, we're all trying to scratch back to where we were. Certainly there's enough damage and there's enough change that has gone on to the economy and even our own psyche that I think um we're just getting back to whatever is not necessarily the goal. We we need to get back to what we consider stable ground, solid unemployment rates, growth rates that build confidence. The things that I the thing that I worry about the most is probably. A school year next year I think a, a, you know, a, it's such a fundamental it's a social issue, an education issue that has a direct correlation to our ability to, to go back to a, more of a fully operating economy. You know there's going to have to be lots of compromises made if nothing changes from fundamentally in the next three months to how we would go back to work or go back to school. And if we can't go back to school, I wouldn't expect the workforce to be able to fully participate in the economy, right? Some people have to stay home, be compromises on daycare, families will have to operate differently. And the compromise of that is, you know, in, a, in a callous economics measure, it, it'll reduce our GDP. There's no, there's no question about it. I don't think we should be worried about year over year numbers. I mean, it just doesn't matter. I mean, what, how are we supposed to? Uh, it's, it's, it's like a company giving you a forecast. You know, <laughs> it's 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 uh, tenuous at best, and probably a guess. We'll know when we're getting better. Okay. We'll know when we're getting better, and um, once we're on that ground, I think we can start making some forecasts on what we think the future will
0: be. Uh, anything I forgot?
1: Uh, I think there's a. I think there's a couple of things that I. I'd love to highlight in the piece is just the frontline workers on on this part of the crisis are really this cadre of local economic development organizations that we have that I think for the common citizen go pretty unseen. Whether they're local chambers of commerce or their local economic development offices or minority business organizations. They kind of operate in between government and business and intentionally sort of under the radar screen to just try to help. They're going to be unbelievably critical to tie things together as we move forward. And I have a concern that we've got, they're going to be easy to cut as we have budget cuts, things like that across our communities. They're going to be hard to replace they're going to perhaps be indispensable in our recovery. So I'm, um, you know, everything that we can do, we're, we're totally interdependent with our local partners, our state partners and stuff. We have a role to fill, but can't do this alone and vice versa. And I just urge, every, we, we, I, I'd love to have some coverage of that as we move forward, because um, I think those are they're just important partners. And too few people know that all the work that they do every day make this all function
0: so can you like name some? do you mean like the ecdi's of the world or just ec- economic development i think
1: even more more fundamentally than that it's just uh, the union county chamber of commerce and economic development organization and the mm-hmm. cic's and the uh, development staffs we have across the, our city and county governments and stuff they do so many things that just make this step forward or that step forward a little easier for the developers or a company and uh, they accelerate something by a week or a month or six months we cannot afford to move backward and make doing things harder when we make we we really need to make it easier to happen and that that you need people to do that it's going to be a delicate balance because we do have some obviously some really Difficult fiscal issues at local level that we'll have to address as we go forward the next eighteen months.
0: So it it sounds like overall the theme I'm hearing from the folks I've talked to so far is that this is an opportunity. It's something that has to be seized on, and the ability to to rebuild and rebuild in an equitable fashion.
1: Yeah, um, I think well said. And I, I also think that there's going to be. Um, we knew that we were going to get a punch in the gut, you know, over the next decade or so. There's no, there's no real great way to predict what that might have been. Mm-hmm. I think we predicted a lot of it correctly. Change in retail to e-commerce, option of our financial and insurance services, a move away from you know, what has always been our automotive industry and the new technologies, that's all happening still. And all that didn't go away. In fact, it, as things come back, we'll probably be more forward in that process.
0: Mm-hmm. More and things to move digital.
1: And it isn't necessarily our friend for job creation. We can do it with less people all the time. And right now we need people working, earning wages, having health benefits and things like that. So we're gonna have to be better than ever in economic development.